1: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your
0: podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
2: Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good
0: But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze Americano!
2: Huh? Oh. Gene! Run! Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that tallies the gains and losses of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're exploring the details of one of the largest land deals in history: the Alaskan Purchase. The day was March 30th, 1867. After a long night of negotiations, the United States made a deal to purchase Alaska from Russia. At about four o'clock that morning. The treaty was signed by Secretary of State William Seward, who had been an enthusiastic champion of the deal, and by Edouard de Stoetchkol, the Russian minister to the United States. The agreed-upon price was $7.2 million, the equivalent of about $120 million today. In exchange for that sum, which was delivered as a check later that year, The United States took control of 586,412 square miles of new territory. That's roughly twice the size of Texas. The price broke down to about two cents per acre, an incredibly good deal even by 1860s standards. However, cheap as it was, some members of Congress thought buying Alaska was a bad investment. They didn't see how territory so remote and frigid could ever be worth owning even at a low price. In the halls of Congress, and eventually in public, the deal became known by several disparaging nicknames, including Seward's Folly, Seward's Icebox, and President Johnson's Polar Bear Garden. Eventually, though, opponents of the purchase saw just how wrong they were. The Klondike Gold Rush in 1896 revealed massive reserves of gold in Alaska prompting further exploration and eventually the discovery of other natural reserves, including oil. By now, you may be wondering why Russia would give up such resource-rich land, especially for a bargain basement price. And for that matter, how did Russia end up owning it to begin with? The answer to that question, put bluntly, is that the country stole it. Inuits and other indigenous peoples had called the region home for thousands of years before Russia arrived in the mid-18th century. In fact, the name Alaska is derived from an Aleut word that means great land. When the first Russian explorers reached Alaska in 1741, roughly 100,000 indigenous people were already settled there. In the years that followed, Russia established a series of its own settlements in Alaska, and although they were sparsely inhabited, the Russians managed to rule over the local native populations thanks to their more advanced weaponry. They also engaged in intimidation tactics, like destroying the locals' hunting equipment and even taking their children as hostages to keep the men in line. By the time Russia sold the territory to the United States a hundred years later, it's estimated that only about 50,000 indigenous people were left in the region. At first, Americans treated Alaska natives with almost as much hostility as the Russians, but gradually indigenous populations secured more rights, and their claim to the territory they occupied was finally recognized. Russia's own occupation of Alaska had been driven primarily by the lucrative fur trade that the fur settlers had established there. The leader of that first Russian expedition, Vitus Bering, had died of scurvy on the voyage back to Russia, but his ship arrived loaded with hundreds of sea otters, foxes, and fur seals. Impressed by Alaska's seemingly abundant wildlife, fur hunters flocked to the region, and Russia's colonization began in earnest. However, in the decades ahead, maintaining those settlements proved harder than expected, The Russian government found it difficult to manage and communicate with subjects who were half a world away. And then there was the northern climate to contend with. It was a fur trapper's dream, but in terms of agriculture, it left a lot to be desired. Sustaining even the 800 or so Russians who lived there required food to be regularly shipped in, which again, wasn't easy or cheap, since supplies had to be brought in all the way from St. Petersburg. Once the sea otter population began to plummet, thanks to their own handiwork, Russian settlers could see the writing on the wall. The final deciding factor in the sale of Alaska was the Crimean War that Russia fought against an alliance of the Ottoman Empire from 1853 to 1856. After losing that war, Russia could no longer afford to support its Alaskan colony and decided to sell it to the United States. Negotiations began shortly after the American Civil War, with a purchase finding immediate support from expansionist politicians such as William Seward. Nearly 20 years earlier, Seward had expressed his desire for Arctic expansion, writing, Our population is destined to roll resistless waves to the ice barriers of the north and to encounter oriental civilization on the shores of the Pacific. At the time, Manifest Destiny was a popular and powerful delusion in the United States, so Russia's offer to sell a massive amount of new land on the cheap was very appealing to men like Seward. And, of course, the potential for gold, fur, fisheries, and a stake in the Pacific didn't hurt either, especially after a costly civil war. When Seward and De Stoetschko signed the Treaty of Session in the early hours of March 30, 1867, Russia relinquished its last claim to North America, and the United States expanded its reach to the northern rim of the continent. The U.S. Senate approved the treaty on April 9th of that year, and the following month, President Andrew Johnson signed it into law. The land was formally transferred to the U.S. on October 18, 1867, once Russia had received its check. In 1959, the Alaska Territory officially became America's 49th state, and today, Alaska's GDP is around $50 billion each year, thanks largely to natural resource extraction. That outcome surely would have thrilled William Seward, but President Johnson's polar bears... Not so much. I'm Gabe Lusier and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
1: This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation.
0: You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you.
1: The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
2: Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene, was good